You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. This morning I want to minister on the choices we make. We live in a life where there's more choices, more options than ever before. When you make decisions... You can either make a decision from a natural point of view, relying on your human nature, or you can rely on your divine nature. It's the difference between a good idea and a God idea. A God idea is always a good idea, but a good idea is not always a God idea. When something is a God idea, the favor and the blessing of God will rest upon it. But oftentimes, good ideas, you'll have to pray and you have to ask God to release a blessing upon it. Proverbs 14 verse 12 warns us. It says, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. You might think that you're doing the right thing, making the right decisions. But the end leads to death. God has made each person a free moral agent. It means that you can make your own decisions, your own choices. God will never enforce anything upon you. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a free moral agent. If I can give you some good advice... Always include God in all your decision-making. Young people, I think 75% of our population is under the age of 25. Include God in your decision-making. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, 119. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. How can a young man stay pure? Only by living in the Word of God and walking in its truth. Family, listen to me. You have to make a decision to make God's Word the standard for your life. To view all your decisions in the light of God's Word. Christianity is not the art of seeing how close I can live to sin without sinning. It's rather living for righteousness, for holiness. I'm not talking about a righteousness that comes from yourself. I'm talking about the righteousness that comes from God himself. That righteousness that cleanses your heart, purifies your heart, so that we can worship God in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. So make a decision from a young age to include God in all your decision-making. The truth is, your choices determine who you are before God. Your choices determine who you are before God. Joshua knew this. That's why he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Is your desire for things of the Spirit? Is your desire for God? Or is your desire for things of the flesh, the world? Joshua 14. Joshua said, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the rivers, of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua didn't make it compulsory to serve the Lord. He said to the people, you make a decision. He knew that if you wanted to serve the Lord, it must come from a willing heart. He said, sincerity and in truth, to serve God in humility and sincerity of heart. He said, I know you've got idols in your homes. You say you want to serve God, but there's things in your house that's not pleasing to the Lord. There's idols. Maybe today you don't have an idol. Maybe you do have an idol. Make a decision whom you want to serve because it's not a matter of combining God's strength with other gods. Idolatry. The Bible says stubbornness is the same as idolatry. Many of us have purposed things in our hearts birthed in stubbornness. Joshua said, you make a decision whom you want to serve. Do you want to serve God or don't you? Turn to the person that you say, I want to serve God. It's essential to serve God with a willing mind. Young people, don't serve God because your parents say. Parents, lead by example. Show them the more excellent way. But you're going to have to get to a place and say, I want to serve God. If you are going to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, it should come from a willing heart. You're a free moral agent. In this time of COVID, many people's hearts have changed towards God in what they love, in what they treasure, in what they value most. It's time for us to turn back to God with all our heart.
as I read the Bible, David had a heart to build God a house. Because he wanted to build God a house, it's what we know that David did covenant. God said, because you wanted to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house. And you see that after David, many kings would become king because of my servant David. But they didn't honor God. They didn't serve God. So even us, when we put God first and we build God's house, there's a generational blessing. Many of you are enjoying the fruit of prosperity and blessings, not because of anything you've done, but because of your forefathers fearing God, serving God. And when I read Scripture, I see there are many kings that after David, they did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But there's two kings, only two, Hezekiah and Josiah. The Bible said they dealt with the high places. Only two kings. Hezekiah, in the book of 2 Kings 18, says he trusted God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there was nobody like him, before him, and after him. Wow. But he dealt with the high places. Many of you have high places in your heart where nobody can get to, nobody can touch. You're doing what is right. You're coming to church, you worship, maybe you're an usher, you're a hostess, you're serving, you're giving your tithes and your offerings, but you've never dealt with the high places. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings. You're never too young or too old to serve God. Young people don't say, I'll serve God later. You can make a decision now. This King Josiah, I think his grandfather was Hezekiah or his great-grandfather. The Bible says, uh, 2 Kings 22 verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Now, 322 years before Josiah was born, it was prophesied that there'll be a king, and his name will be Josiah. And he will restore worship back to Israel. He will deal with the high places. You can go read the story. He asked for the word of God to be searched, and then he discovered what was prophesied about him, 322 years. And when he heard that word, the fear of God entered his heart, and he obeyed every single word. He aligned his life with the word of God. Go to verse 23, verse 8. Look here what he did. And he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Bathsheba 
also he broke down the high place at the gates. It's mentioned that he dealt with the high places. The decision that he made, I'm going to deal with the high places. If you go to verse 15, it says, Moreover, the pillar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jerobeam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, had made both that altar and the high place he broke down, and he burned the high place and crushed it to powder and burned the wooden image. Verse 19, Now Josiah also took away all the shrines of the high places. Family, listen to me. Christianity lies in the purity of our hearts. That's why we have to deal with the high places in our hearts. Today, many people want to work for God. Are you prepared to make Jesus your friend? Many people want to serve. Are you ready to love him? This Josiah was something else. At the age of 8, he became king. At the age of 18, he started implementing all these things. When you go to the heading of verse 23, it says, Josiah restores true worship. Family, do you know what's the good news? The Holy Spirit is here to help us to restore or to break down the high places so that worship can be restored back into our lives. For worship to be worship must be holy because we worship Him in the beauty of His holiness. In the church, there's a need for us again to discern, to recognize to make the distinction between what is holy and what is common or unholy. If you go to Leviticus 10 verse 10, the Amplified says, make a distinction between what is holy and what is common. What's unholy and what is clean and what is unclean. There's a thing creeping in the church today where people are saying, I can sing any song to the Lord, and it's worship. I can sing any song of the world, and God's presence will manifest. That's not worship. Let me tell you something. Here, he restored true worship. True worship comes from a pure heart comes from a holy heart. Sure, you can do anything and sing any song as unto the Lord. All work that we do, we should do as unto the Lord. But even when God created, He didn't say all the days were holy. He created six days, and the seventh day He said it was holy. It was the Lord's day. When the Lord is included, it's holy. Marriage is holy. The tithe is holy. You're God's people. You're holy. Were you holy before you met Christ? No. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
You were predestined and planned for glory. And Christ came to restore that glory. That glory was only restored back after Christ was resurrected from the dead. When I read Scripture, the more I read the Word, and the more I think I become like Christ, the more I realize I don't know God. The more I get to know Him, the more I realize I don't know this God. He's a holy God. We worship Him in the beauty of His holiness. It's a call for us to know, to see the distinction between what is holy and what is common. Let's not treat worshiping God as something that's common. Because the Bible says the only way that we can enter into the holy of holies, Hebrews 10 verse 19, is by the blood of Jesus we enter into the holiest. Can you see how much we need God? How does that resurrection power work on the inside of us? The Bible says it's very simple. You confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart. With your mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With your heart, you believe unto righteousness. That he who knew no sin became sin so that you can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were designed for God's glory. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You ought to glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Christians, let's not change the gospel to suit us, but let us allow the gospel to change us. A matter of fact, the first work of the Holy Spirit is to regenerate your spirit. When He regenerates your spirit, those rivers of living water start to flow. And you can worship Him in humility and sincerity of heart, knowing that He is God, He's your Savior. Turn to the person next to you, say, Jesus is alive. Say, I want to worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Family, if what is acceptable to Jesus, not even Jesus could enter into the holy of holies until he was raised by the Holy Spirit. Just think about it. Sometimes we reason about these things from a natural point of view. And we say, I can sing any song. I'm sure you can sing any song. And maybe God's presence can even be there with while you're singing it. But if it's worship that you want to offer, the first time the word worship is used is with Abraham. When the Lord said to him, I want you to sacrifice your only son. Early the next morning he left. When the servant said, where are you going? He said, me and the lad, we are going yonder to worship. Why? Could Abraham offer Isaac to God? Because Isaac came from God. 
some of the songs that people just want to sing, I'm sh I guarantee you those songs will not be sung in heaven. And we worship him in the beauty of his holiness. We enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. Let us sing songs that can fill heaven. Serving God is what the best do. In humility and sincerity of heart. It's a decision to yield and obey the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's the good news? The Holy Spirit is here to lead you and to guide you. So many people ask, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. Verse 3, 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore he rejects this, does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Make a decision, make a distinction between what is holy and unholy, what is common. There's nothing common about you. When you're born from above, when your spirit has been regenerated, you're a child of the Most High God. When God the Father looks at you, He sees Jesus, His brightness, his righteousness. God is pursuing us. God came to this earth because he loved us. There's so many alternatives. Family, listen to me. You cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's impossible. What are those high places that you have to deal with? Many times those high places that you keep there, it's the very thing that pushes you in the direction to walk in disobedience. And many people's dreams are destroyed upon the rocks of disobedience. But God is here to give us a second chance. Josiah restored worship. Make a decision, even for us as the church, to come together again to say, Lord, we're going to worship you in spirit and in truth. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Families, the way you train a child, when he gets older, he will not depart from it. Train your children to come to church, to put God first on a Sunday. The choices we make determines who we are before God. We have to break this cycle. It's God's people to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Jesus is the only way to have true peace, comfort. 
You make a decision if he will be your redeemer or not. You make the decision if he'll be your savior or not. You make a decision if he'll be your comforter or not. You make the decision if he's going to be your healer or not, your deliverer or not. Once you've made the decision to say, I'm going to serve the Lord, he will empower you, he will give you the energy for the distance. Any Christian service that the Lord has called you to do, he will empower you. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you've received power. We often try to do so many things in our own strength. Don't live a life as a convinced Christian. Live a life as a converted Christian. One who is linked up with God. When you know the truth, the decision is not that difficult. You make the decision if you want to be faithful to Jesus or not. Family, listen to me. I'm a pastor. I decide in the mornings, today I'm going to do it and I'm going to get it right. And before I've walked out of the back door, I've messed up. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here this morning. That's why you need the help of the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you to be sensitive that when you make the mistake, you can turn to God immediately and say, Lord, forgive me. I've messed up. That's how much you need God. That's why we have to deal with those things before they deal with us. Can I talk to the young people when it comes to making decisions regarding relationships? Am I marrying the right person or not? Genesis 24, you can go there. Genesis 24, from verse 14. Abraham gives his servant instruction. He says, go and find my son a wife, somebody that's suitable. You can see the servant goes. The servant says, Lord, please help me. Make my way successful. Bless it. He says, when I'm at the well, the woman that comes and she draws water, not just for me, but for all my animals and everything. And he, he's got his whole list there of how he would recognize the right one. And everything happens exactly as he asked. He says to her, well, I've got good news. I've got a husband for you. Gives her jewelry. She says, please come talk to my uncle and my brother, Laban and Bethel. So he gets to them. Tells the whole story, how he asked God and everything. Do you know what is their comments? You know what Laban says? He says, what you've told us, this sounds like God. I cannot say it's from God or not from God. I cannot say if it's good or bad. If you say this is what God told you, good. If it's not, bad. Young people, listen to me. Just because somebody walks up to you and say, God said, you're my wife. God said, you're my husband. You're still a free moral agent. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a free moral agent. Laban says, let's ask her why. Because otherwise, they could blame Laban. 
when they have the first disagreement, what do you think it will be? Your uncle made me marry you. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here. It's always nice to blame other people when we have a disagreement. He says, no, you're not going to do that. You can go read there from verse 56. He says, call her and let her decide if she wants to go. You're a free moral agent. Family, listen to me. Even if God spoke to you, you believe God spoke to you, and even if everything has happened exactly like that, the other person is still a free moral agent, and God will not interfere with that. Can I have one amen from at least a parent? When you believe God is speaking to you, make sure that you view it in the light of God's Word. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 teaches us that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. This heart can make you believe anything. Hebrews 4 verse 12, but the Word of God can discern the intents and the thoughts of your heart. Am I helping some of you here? God is never going to overrule your free will. A matter of fact, the Bible says the Spirit of God moves to and fro, looking for those with a loyal heart, willingly, eagerly coming from your side to serve Him. Joshua knew the service unto him had to be free, not forced. Why did he do that? Because all loving must come from a willing heart. And if I'm just coming and saying, you must marry me, and the person loves you, or you make them love you, just because of what God said, cannot be willing needs to be mutual. Am I helping you, young people? Turn to the person next to you say you're a free moral agent. I know all of you want to please God. You want to walk in His ways, His perfect will, the perfect spouse. It must be mutual. Amen? Let God speak to her and to him to him and to her, then there'll be peace. But if it's just the one person, that love must be willing, come from a willing heart. I'm going to close. Joshua 24 verse 16. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. What's the meaning of this passage? They saw God's glory. They saw the Word of God being fulfilled in Joshua's life. And they said, we see what God is doing in your life because you are serving Him, you and your whole household. So we're going to serve God as well. Family, let people see that you're serving God with a willing heart, that you've made a decision as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Remember what the king said in Daniel 6.16 when Daniel had to go into the lion's den. He says, may the God whom you serve 
continually deliver you. Not occasionally, continually. Do you know what's the good news? When I see the choices that we make determine who we are before God, the first response from my heart is, thank you, precious Holy Spirit, that you are here to help me. And as I'm walking, and maybe I go a little bit to the left, you are here to help me to get back on track. This journey, this road is not in our own. A matter of fact, when you have to make decisions, and God says, I've placed before you life and death, he says, I'm going to tell you what the answer is. Choose life. Make a decision to put God first. Make a decision to put God first. Train your children in the ways of the Lord. Teach them this good habit to come to church, to put God first, to include God in everything, to view all your actions in the light of God's Word. When we give God the rightful place in our hearts, it solves many problems. But many challenges that we face is because we've not given God the rightful place in our hearts. The good news is God has made it easy for us. Jesus Christ has died on the cross. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us and to guide us. As a son and daughter of the Most High God, you have the help of the Holy Spirit in all decisions that you make. And even if you make a wrong decision, the Holy Spirit is there to convict you and say, that's not right. Go and make right. So it's never fatal. But start to train your heart, align your heart View all your decisions in the light of God's Word. The choices that we make determine who we are before God. See you later. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.